Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHKs I'm known, and three films up for review this week. It's Pixar's new film Luca, it's The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, which is with Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson and Selma Hayek, and then the documentary The Sparks Brothers from Edgar Wright. First up is Luca. It is the new animated film from Pixar, and it's directed by Enrico Casarosa, who did the short film La Luna. It takes place in Italy, and it features a bunch of sea monster creature things that can turn into humans or look like humans when they're on land and dry and are sea monsters when they're in the water. And it centers around Luca, who is a young sea monster voiced by Jacob Tremblay from Room. He wants to explore the world. It's very sort of Little Mermaid-ish in many senses where he wants to, you know, go beyond the scope of his small little pocket of the world. His parents are voiced by Maya Rudolph and Jim Gaffigan. Maya Rudolph in particular is very against him going out into the world just because, you know, dangers, humans, etc. And then he meets another sea monster creature named Alberto, by Jack Dylan Grazer, who I guess is from the It franchises. And then they form a friendship and, you know, maybe uh, Alberto's a little bit of a bad boy influence and and chaos ensues. And they meet a human girl played by Emma Berman. And okay, so this film is not going to change the way you think about the world, whereas I think some other Pixar films have actually accomplished that. Like I would cite Inside Out as one of those. But it's a cute film. I would say it's very contained, right? It takes place in a small town and I guess a small sea monster area. But it, it that part to me feels genuine. And there are some experiences in it that just feel very accurate. I think the friendship between the two boys just feels like a childhood friendship. You know, you've got one of them who maybe is like pushing the other to do things that they're not as comfortable with, but they're both having a ton of fun and they just have a shared language and commonality that they enjoy. That part felt just super real to me. I think just... Having it framed as their sea monsters was a plot device I don't 100% understand, aside from the cool visuals of it and then how it sort of pays off in the plot later. But I would have potentially been interested in just a story without the magical parts of it. I think there's a world in which this story could have worked without that. They, I don't know if they overcomplicate it, but it's definitely a tangent that I'm like, okay, this is happening and... Uh, all right, yeah, but, but it's, it's you know, it, it's Enrico's film, and I don't think it's, like, overdone in those senses, but it's just, I, I do wonder what a sort of more honed-in version of it would have looked like. I think the voice performances are good. I think the boys have, like, a good, you know, it's I, I've talked about this multiple times before, but any film that centers around child actors or voice actors, you're taking a risk there, but I think Jacob Tremblay in particular has proven to be just a spectacular young actor, so... That part felt fine. Uh, Ironically, I think it's actually the parents who I'm like, I mean, I know they weren't in the same room, but I'm like, these performances are just a little off that um, visually it's very beautiful. I think it's definitely a love letter to Italy and the, you know, the people who populate the town just feel very real. The animation itself is nothing, again, spectacular. There are points of it where I felt like it looked like almost an Ardman stop motion style for at least the way they do the lip sync. This might be a super technical, you know, animation pointer. But but aside from that, I think it's a story about friendship, which is sweet and, you know, it's well-trod territory. I don't think it's reinventing the genre. I do root for the characters in it. I think the fact that it's out on Disney Plus is a plus. I mean, I would have gone to see it in theaters. I would have encouraged you, seeing it as it was, to see it in theaters had this been sort of the normal times. But I do think it's very nice and convenient that it is available in the comfort of your home if you already have a Disney Plus subscription. It doesn't even cost extra. That's, you know, I also wonder if that's like a sign of how you felt about the film. But it's visually beautiful. I think it's, it's enjoyable. There are definitely like weird esoteric things that I laughed at that I really enjoyed. And I almost would have preferred 
more of those moments. But it's also very heartfelt. It's very sweet. Again, it's just contained. And that's totally fine. I do think we've just come to expect more out of a film from Pixar. And so I don't know if that's just an unfair standard it's being held to. But if another studio had come out with this, I think we would have been like, oh, this is really great, wonderful. And I can't think of a reason not to recommend it in spite of the weird sort of plot stuff with the sea monsters. I think it's enjoyable. I think it's a fun summer film. It's short. It's breezy. So I'm going to give it 3.9 out of 5. I'm going to take a quick break and be right back. And I'm back. And then my next film is The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, which is a sequel to the 2017 film. It stars Ryan Reynolds, Samuel L. Jackson, and Selma Hayek. And this time they added Antonio Banderas, Morgan Freeman, Richard E. Grant, Frank Grillo, Tom Hopper from Umbrella Academy. I'm just like... Okay, I remember enjoying The Hitman's Bodyguard in 2017. I feel like it was an enjoyable experience. I, you know, I, it seemed like they'd had a lot of fun making it. There's not a lot of logic or plot stuff to it, but it's, it's just action, it's banter, it's all of that stuff. But watching this film made me question, did I actually enjoy the first one? Because this film makes absolutely no sense. And not that I'm necessarily expecting a film like this to make total sense. I get it that they're trying to be ridiculous and absurd with a lot of the plot and a lot of stuff, but... This one just was almost unwatchable for me. I am all for equal opportunity crudeness, but the stream of just vulgarity from Selma Hayek, it just, I don't know. I don't know if it's just like she's not the right person to deliver it, but she's almost trying to be like a Samuel L. Jackson because, you know, they are, they play a couple. And I just don't think it quite works on her. And I don't think it's because she's female. I just didn't think it worked on her. And also just the film did not work. I don't even know how to explain that. The plot makes no sense whatsoever. Antonio Banderas is supposed to be playing a Greek person, which already is like, okay, well, we're making mistakes from the bat. There's something about like international stakes and, you know, terrorism and and protecting each other. And and we're supposed, also, also, you have to have seen the first one to have this one make even a modicum of sense, which I, I, I would assume, I don't think many people are being like, I'm going to see the hitman's wife's bodyguard without having seen the first one because, you know, it's just, it doesn't seem like the type of thing that appeals to somebody out of the blue. But this film just expects you to completely understand what's going on in terms of the dynamics between all the characters. And then it introduces these overly complicated, you want to talk about overly complicated devices. This film introduces a bunch of those. I just, I was so disappointed and it's one of those films almost much much worse than A Quiet Place 2 where A Quiet Place 2 made me question did I like A Quiet Place no I still remember liking A Quiet Place Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard made me question did I was I in, were we all did we all lose our minds in 2017 and it was a terrible terrible and I, again I am totally acknowledging that it was not a great movie in 2017 but at least I had fun or at least I vaguely remember having fun this one I was like just get me through this when is it over why won't it end I cannot do not see this movie like I cannot there were a lot like people were laughing at parts but I was just like are you laughing because you're so uncomfortable with this like what's happening here because this isn't funny it's not funny. There's uh, there's a world in which this could have been very, very funny. I hope they all got great paychecks and I hope they all had a great paid for vacation in making this film. I don't begrudge any of them this. I would understand after the first one why you'd want to make a second one. But why would you subject the rest of us to watching it? Like make it for, I don't know, terrible. It's terrible. I was very sad. I had low expectations going into it, just having seen the trailers. If you were a huge fan of the first one, I don't, I don't even know if I can recommend it to you. Maybe just rewatch the first one. But yeah, I'm going to give this one out of five. And again, I like the people involved, but yikes, I cannot. I can't. I can't in good conscience recommend this to anyone. Thankfully, what I can in good conscience recommend is called The Sparks Brothers. It's a documentary. It premiered at Sundance this year, and it's about Ron and Russell Mayle, who make up the band Sparks. They are indeed brothers. And 
I totally profess I had no idea who they were. I did not know anything about them. And apparently they have had such a prolific impact on the music industry. And I, I I felt like such an uncool kid not knowing about them and that I was being let into like a secret club by watching this documentary. And I felt like even more secret, like, oh, I get to see it before a lot of people. I'll be ahead of the curve on this. But it was so fascinating. They have been making music for so long. And I guess, you know, a good portion of the music industry and actors and writers and stuff are in this film. I've been influenced by them and all agree to be in this film. And it's just, again, I felt like I was just such an outsider getting to peek into this world of cool kids who were totally in on this and knew what was going on. And I just, they're such bizarro characters. Their music is so interesting. It actually evolves over time, which I think is really hard to do for any musicians and musical act. And I, you know, it's distinct, but it's also very much them. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this. Like, go run and see this film if you can. I, like, it's it's just mind-boggling. They're so weird and cool, and the documentary is clearly, again, like, Luca is a love letter to Italy. This is a love letter to the Sparks. I don't know if there's a lot of objectivity in it. I should mention it's from Edgar Wright, who, you know, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Baby Driver, like, obviously loves music, and so this was probably a dream project for him. I, yeah, go watch the Sparks Brothers. You will feel cool and enlightened as byproduct of it. I'm going to give it four and a half out of five. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.